It is absolutely impossible to get everything for a child inside of the school system. No matter how hard you try, there's always other things that parents, teachers, teams, and students are reaching towards. Welcome to the Special Education Inner Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Witcher. I have with me today a guest, Amanda, who's going to share with us some resources, some solutions, and what she came up with and how she helps families. And I'm so excited to introduce you, Amanda, to our Inner Circle community. Thank you for being here. Oh, I'm so excited. All the way from Owensboro, Kentucky. I love it. Yes, I love this. Okay, so let's just start out. How did you end up at an IEP table? So I graduated um, from college, became a special education teacher, and that was my first really experience in a professional role of being around an IEP table as I was a leader as a special educator. Um, however, I am also a sibling, and so I've heard of IEP growing up, didn't really know what it was. I remember my mom going to meetings and coming back, usually tearful. Um, so yeah, I think that that's kind of my first experience on a professional level. I feel like I've been around an IEP table um, and the concept of IEP my entire life. Yeah, we had that in common before we even met. Uh, you know, I had no idea, and I was like, yes, there's something about us special needs siblings. When we watch our family struggle through the system. Um, you know, you mentioned your mom was teary-eyed. My mom was the angry mom. Um, <laughs> she, <laughs> she was just, the, she was the yeller. And, um, you know, it's just, you wanna go and you wanna solve something, you wanna do something. So you said you were a former teacher. So just share a little bit about your journey as a teacher and how you got to what you're doing right now. So I was a special education teacher for six years. I was in a multiple disabilities classroom. That's what we label it here in Owensboro, Kentucky. And um, I decided then, it was like maybe, I don't know, nine years ago, I think at this point, or eight years ago, maybe. But I wanted to, I wanted a place. I was kind of a, I was a middle school special education teacher. So, you know, it was my role to start talking to families about that transitional piece, you know, when, what's life going to look like? Let's set up goals now that will help them to be, um, you know, as independent as possible and connect them to life after school. Well, families were asking the same thing that my parents asked of what does life after school look like and how do we prepare them for it in the classroom? And I realized there was, there wasn't a lot in my community. Um, there was opportunities, but no one maximizing the opportunities. And so I opened a nonprofit organization called Puzzle Pieces. Um, and now we're, we're eight years into it and we do supported employment, residential. Um, we have a social community program. Really, it's just kind of a buffet of services to really um, link into an after-school program, summer program. We work with the teams and we work with the school systems, but also kind of that that link after school um, when they graduate of hopefully trying to map plan their life out and continue as a team, if that makes any sense whatsoever. It absolutely does because we talk a lot in our inner circle community. Anybody who's worked with me in the special education inner circle or the master IEP coach mentorship knows that my work is rooted in the foundation of the purpose of idea law, which is to meet a child's unique needs and prepare them for further education, employment, and independent living. Because we can't do everything all the time. We gotta stay focused, otherwise we get lost in this, what should we be working on? What's gonna happen? And then the next thing you know, we're looking for resources for beyond the school years or outside of the school day. And we're like, wait a minute, we've been spending all this time working on things that may or may not be a priority inside of the system. And we have 
like nothing on the outside of the system. So that makes complete sense to everybody that is listening here. So I love that. I love that you saw an opportunity and you decided to create change. So share a little bit about um, what should parents and teachers be looking at in the school to really focus their efforts because you are looking at this person-centered planning. You're looking at the long-term. You're looking at, you know, what needs to happen next. And I think a lot of times we're worried about, you know, the child left their jacket on the bus. Um, you, you know, it, we're, we're worried about, you know, the locker combination, which is important in that moment, but it's not necessarily where we need to put up the biggest kind of, um, I don't want to say fight, but fight, right? Our, our focus mm -hmm. on there. So mm -hmm. what recommendations do you have for parents and teachers who are looking for this? Like, what, what should they be focusing on? So that's a, a loaded question and something I'm very passionate about. So on, on two sides of that, because I can really um, have a perspective from a teacher's perspective, but also as a guardian too. Um, I think for a teacher, what I have learned, and I think that parents forget this, whenever I was um, a teacher and sitting around the IEP table, I think I was really honed in. I, I knew what the hope was for in the big picture because I could link that to my brother. And what I, what I saw when he graduated high school, I saw how he regressed and progressed in ways that the school could or could not provide for him. And so I think that I was able to see that, that and knew what long-term looked like because my brother is now 40. And so what I realized in being in the education, the system, that teachers are really worried year by year. Let me get on to the next year. Or, you know, here in Kentucky, we spend a lot of time of piecing together. And I've seen IEPs where teachers are putting um, assessment um, timelines, milestones into IEPs. And I think that we're so sometimes worried about the accommodations to pass an assessment or, you know, just getting them through socially and or, well, we're here, let's just get to this next part and can't really see the bigger picture. And I feel like middle school and high school, that's really, even sometimes in elementary school, we're so focused on hitting the next milestone as teachers that of really piecing together of what we're doing now are is a baby step for the bigger after after school situation that's important and it starts at a very young age and we need to incorporate that in an IEP somehow. And so from a teacher, I feel like preparing and knowing what also what's out there paired with what the parents hopes and dreams are because every student should be should look different for what just because they shouldn't be forced to go to work if they don't want to work. They shouldn't be forced to go to adult day training center if that's not where they want to go like it's got a mirror and it's got to look different for every and I think teachers sometimes are kind of in this box. And, and that's really what I've learned with, you know, having puzzle pieces is there is no such thing as a box. Like it's a buffet and we should be able to pull from that buffet how it sees fit. And that buffet should be unlimited, unlimited opportunities. And we should be switching it out. From a parent's perspective, you know, gearing up for what life after the system would be, but how do you gear that to an IEP and, and, and working with your teacher? I think that don't let them, don't think that they're the tool to guide you. I think that parents sometimes do put too much of like, well, they're the expert, like they're the teacher, they have the degree, um, they're a team of, you know, they've done this with other students. 
I mean, I agree with that to a certain degree, but I think that parents allow almost too much um, of them to rely on them as a tool and and their kid is different. Every kid is different. You know, you, you always hear when you have one person with a disability, when you know one person, you know one person. And so that should look like different and be unique and, um, you know, kind of not demand it, <laughs> but try to collaborate in a way of like, this is our ultimate dream. This is reality. And, and these are the opportunities. Now, how do we mesh those three things together? Sorry, I'm a talker. Get ready. Uh -uh. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. Um, so we absolutely focus on a parent input statement. That's a big thing in the IEP process. And I'm always uh, preaching about how you cannot just say, you know, my hope is that my child has better grades or my hope is that my child, you know, gets a job someday. Like, no, detail that because a teacher doesn't know what your dreams are. And I love that you use the word um, forced. And, you know, like that a team shouldn't force, it, you know, a certain path. And that's a very strong word to use. And it kind of hit me. I don't know if I've ever used the word in that way, but I experienced that as a special needs sibling. I experienced sitting at the IEP table and watch when my brother was in high school. So my brother now is 43. And so sitting there and them saying like, well, where is he going to live? And my mom says, well, he's going to live with us for as long as possible. My brother has medical complications. I mean, we're talking, this is back in the nineties. There's definitely right. no resources back then, right? Like he's just going to live with us. And she was basically shamed. They were almost trying to force her to be like, no, he needs supportive living. No, you're going to pass away someday. No. I'm like, whoa, even at whatever age I was at. So I had to be like late teens, maybe, you know, 20. I was like, stop, like, that's not your place. My mom knows that she's going to pass. My mom knows that he needs to be as independent as possible. My mom also knows at this point, we're just going to figure it out as a family and you don't have to force that conversation at, at any time right now. Like just, it's time to move on and let's talk about some job skills. <laughs> so, like, let's just talk about that, right? Like, like there's, there's a lot of forcefulness. So I hope that some of our educators or team members that are hearing this, just know that when you're pushing a subject that does feel forced for, for a family in that. Well, and I think that it's it's kind of trying to have empathy. I think there's a lot of, um, I've been in IEP meetings, whether I'm there as an attendee or a support system and or I've been leading. Somehow there's this built up tension that is sometimes the unspoken language within the room. And I think that if you feel that, or if you, if, especially if you're an educator and you're going into dreading a meeting, then we really haven't set that meeting up to be successful out of the gates. Um, because then there was something that was left unsaid or something that you're fearful of the language that you might use. So if you already have that as an educator, I, I mean, I, I talk with so many young, young teachers about like, what's the best way to prepare for, you know, you're going into your first IEP meeting. And I think if you haven't had those conversations, um, a, a very, I'll ask, I call them broken conversations, like where it's not professional, but it is professional, but like, you can just be real with them of like, what is it your ultimate dreams? What are those power statements and, and those insights? Have, do you know anything I don't know about the opportunities that are out there? Because teachers, it's not dumped on our laps. We have to find it and not every teacher has time to find it. 
And so they need to use you as a tool, but it's gotta be, it's gotta be a conversation before you're around the table at the IEP meeting for sure. Oh, I love that too. You know, there's this kind of myth that like you can't have a, an IEP meeting before the IEP meeting. You absolutely can communicate. You do not have to have a formal meeting with 15 people around the table to do a pre IEP meeting, but that communication beforehand to talk about like, what can the parent provide at home? What can the community provide? What can the school provide? Where are our priorities? How are we going to pull all of these together? It's so important. So, all right. So we, we can hear your passion. We know where you're focused. You're like the school system has a gap. So you created this service in your community, this organization in your community. Can you give some words of encouragement? Our listeners here are filled with, um, I want to say hope. And some of them are going to be like, well, I want to be hopeful, but I'm not, they're feel, but it is, it's hope. It's like, I wish things could be different. What could I do about this? This is so exhausting. I don't know if I can do it. The teachers are thinking like, I don't know. Can I really do any more? I need to keep my job. You know, I stepped out of the classroom and did something different. You stepped out of the classroom and did something different, but that does take some oomph to, to do that. What words of encouragement would you have for somebody who is looking to build something out of the classroom? I will say, I do want to say, if you're in the classroom and that's your place and you know that that's where you need to be right now, whether it's short-term or long-term, I am cheering for you and I am not telling you to leave because we need awesome teachers. But some people are ready to transition out. Amanda, what piece of advice would you give them? First and foremost, I talk about this in a lot of my blogs and my podcasts of saying, you got to do it scared. So there's never going to be a, the perfect, the perfect um, scenario of, okay, this is the sign I'm leaving the classroom and I'm, I'm doing this. I think that for me, where it was at was, it was paired with passion. It was paired with reason, but it also, um, I, I kind of did my homework. I knew that there was a need. I talked with families. I had an educational type of input night with a lot of families of like, what what is missing? What's that link that's happening after high school that's missing for you that you, it would be that aha moment. And I kind of pieced all of those aha moments together and made something from that. Um, because, you know, what we, our service doesn't meet everybody's needs, but it meets them a lot of people's needs. And so, yeah, if you're an educator, I think that, you know, I, I didn't dream this. I mean, I wanted it and I wanted it for my brother and then I wanted it for my parents. And then obviously I wanted it for my students, but I went into being a special education teacher, knowing I was going to either transition to be a special education consultant. Like I knew I wanted to do more to, to connect the big picture. Um, and I, I just, this was the step, this was an opportunity. So if you, if you have it in your heart and you can seek the need, then create the opportunity. Don't wait for that opportunity to happen for you. You have to take the action to really put the, the steps forward. And why not you, you know, like that's kind of, I kept waiting, like, man, I wish, I wish that there was this for my students. I wish that there was this. And I kept saying, I wish, well, what, am I wishing for someone else to create it? You know, so then I was like, okay, well, I have to be the one that creates that. And then that's history. <laughs> I love it. So we're going to have the links where people can reach out and see what you do. 
see you know how you pieced everything together uh see the services that you offer because you know you might just spur that idea in somebody who's listening to recreate something like this in their community so i want to encourage everyone to go ahead and check out um, the links where you can find Amanda and the work that she's doing and how she created those opportunities in her community. I also want to share that our next master IEP coach mentorship is going to be coming up and that's a great stepping stone to use your skills both in the classroom and outside of the classroom and possible um, opportunity to come out of the classroom for teachers. It's also an opportunity for parents to gain IEP skills to create real change. So, I mean, our, again, our story is pretty similar there. You know, master IEP coach mentorship was built out of demand. People said, I need more help at the IEP table. Can you teach me to do what you do? Okay, let's put this program <laughs> together. They're asking for it. Let's do it. So you'll see the links to the master IP coach mentorship below. If you're like, that's too much, like that's too much. I'm not stepping out and creating wonderful community resources at this time because it's not my time. And I don't want to become a master IP coach. I do want to encourage you that if you have questions, anything about special education to hop over to specialedinnercircle.com. That's where you can find me. You can get answers to your questions. Amanda, thank you for being here with us. Oh, it was so great. I can't wait to listen and, and still connect with you and everything you have going on. All right, everyone. Remember, reach out to Amanda. She's got great things and I'll hopefully see you inside of the special education inner circle.